Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. We'll get into the uh, C.J. Stroud, Laramie Tunsil. They have a man crush Monday on each other. At least Laramie does on uh, C.J. Stroud. Uh, but first, let's go out to the HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Let's get in Keith in here. Keith, you're in the high ha- the, uh, with the Killer Bees. What's up, Keith? Hello, guys. How y'all doing? Um, I just I wanted to add a economics question um, about, uh, you guys always say, we've been in the glory days of the Astros, and Houston fans have spent a lot of discretionary money on Astros in the last couple of years. Now, with, based on the two new coaches and the potential of the teams, and this came up because I was looking at a Forbes list of uh, the value of different professional teams, but who do you think has the best chance to have growth economic gain from the fans with the new coaches and the potential that um, they have to win? And uh, I'll uh, appreciate y'all have a good show. Yeah, appreciate it, Keith. I think, I mean, my answer would be the Texans because it's the NFL and the NFL prints money. Cash cow. Yeah, so I don't, I don't. Maybe like the growth potential for the Rockets. Maybe you could get like an ROI percentage type of argument here. But when it comes to money, and I'm arguing NFL versus literally any other sport in America, I'm always going NFL. I don't think you can go wrong with that. I, I think that we've talked about this at nauseum when it was Cal's incompetency and the team's incompetency and the management and the structure and the lack of fans because of the incompetency. The bottom line was they were still printing money. They were still getting a big return every single week and every year. Because they're the NFL, and the NFL is the king, and they are so firmly planted on the top of that mountain, it's going to be tough to push them off no matter how bad in your individual market a team may be. The value and the return on investment is just amazing. And, and you you know, from the same standpoint, Tillman, same scenario team-wise with lack of attendance, lack of sponsorship, lack of ability to play, you know, lack of hope from a fan base. Tillman was struggling mightily last year. Yeah. The Texans, no matter what, with the, the TV contracts and the way everything's written with the revenue sharing, they're going to be just fine. But maybe that's why the Rockets have like more of an opportunity to grow, like percentage-wise, because I don't think it's dollars-wise. But because of all those things that you said, if the Rockets get to a spot where their season ticket sales increase by 75%, if the merch increases by 50%, maybe they you know, return 50% more of a return than they have previously, whereas the Texans return like 40%. Like, I could, I could see why the Rockets would be the answer, like, with that kind of scenario, but the, the NFL is going to blow away any sort of dollars that the NBA is making. The NFL signed a, a deal of $100 billion two years ago, a TV deal, TV just deal. TV, yep. Yep. that hands teams $300 million a year for television only. You're not talking about the gate. You're not talking about any sort of merchandise. You're not talking about radio deals. None of that. Before any of that other stuff, TV deal in the NFL is handing teams, every team in the NFL, three. Hundred million dollars a year. You tell me that that doesn't solve all your problems from a salary perspective and an expense perspective, and put it all into perspective real quickly in the fact that they are absolutely rolling in cash. No matter, and again, this goes back to conversations ever yeah. since I've been here with different NFL players that said the harsh reality that fans don't like to admit to is winning is just icing on the cake. As an owner, 
winning is great when it happens, but if it doesn't, they know they're still going to be getting their checks. Yeah, I think it varies owner by owner, case by case, where there's some owners that literally do not care what their NFL team is doing, and they look about you know what is defining success more about the books and the bottom line than it is about win totals. I think other owners care about no winning. Doubt. So it is case by case, but you know, you look NFL money stupid. We know Jerry Jerry Jones is completely dialed in and hands-on, including being the general manager of the team. You know that there are other owners that just say, hey, look, if you had your chance, if you were just Joe Blow off the street, and you had a chance to get involved in an investment where once you got it, you never had to touch it, and you knew that every single year you would look at it and go, wow, I made that much money again. And you would just be fine with it, and maybe you're not you know, an avid football fan. But you're a smart business person enough to know that that's a great deal to be involved in. Yeah, it's not that the Rockets aren't going to make a lot more money now because their ticket sales are way worse than the Texans. Like, you know, they keep this stupid jersey thing where these players keep changing numbers. Like, that's going to help them. Like, they're going to sell new Jabari jerseys, but also Cam and Amon Thompson. But, like, Cam and Amen, like, their jerseys will never sell close to what Will Anderson and CJ Stroud will sell. Like, that argument alone, like... C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson will blow those guys out of the water Mm -hmm. in terms of jersey sales in this city. You know, the stadium, the seating is 3X versus Toyota Center versus NRG. More more games than NBA, though. There is more games, but, like, I mean, even last year, like, they were still selling out, apparently, Mm -hmm. most of the Texans games. But, like, (laughs) it's it's garbage. But, like, now those fans will actually be there and they'll be buying stuff. Like this, yeah. this, there's so much more money to be made with the Texans. The NFL is stupid. From but you also have to view. take into consideration if you're looking at it from a Rockets perspective, the margin in which you're you're closing the gap on. If if no one was going to Rockets games last year and they were forty percent full, and now suddenly there's enough excitement where they can gain thirty five extra percent in interest in ticket sales, yeah, you can say they made a, a drastic jump and their sales went right. way up. That's where like, put it in perspective. Yeah. The ROI like the ROI percentage improvement, like it, maybe it's a bigger jump for the Rockets, but when it comes to like the overall Dollars, dollar, there's right. no chance. No way. There's no chance they can compete with the Plus NFL. ticket prices. NFL tickets, less games, way more expensive tickets. Yeah. And with the sponsor base, they have a they have people knocking on their door to sponsor the team. And so with that comes with each of those sponsorships comes tickets. Whether they use them or not, they don't care because guess what? The money's already in their bank account. $300 million from TV before you do anything crazy. else. crazy. Salary cap's $224 million. That's what I'm saying. You're all ma- of your expenses basically are paid for, even with your front office and all your salaries on your team. Does that does that TV deal include YouTube? Probably. The new, sun- the new Sunday ticket? Maybe I don't, not. No, I don't maybe think not. it does. Deal. That's maybe a separate not. deal. And that's another like billion dollars. This is and just- Amazon's giving more money now for the Friday, the Black Friday it's game. Get up to $400 million. Like, Yeah, they have two different separate outside deals yeah. from that big deal. <laughs> And that is the Amazon deal and the the uh, league the Sunday ticket deal. Yeah, the NFL is a joke. Like with how much money like, they what make. is what is the um, like? Could you imagine the return on investment if you bought an NFL team like in 1980? Isn't this the, the Jerry Jones conversation? Like, what is the the Cowboys valuation is ridiculous? It's the number one professional franchise of all the United uh, the franchises in the big big four. The Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys in 1989 for 140 million dollars. What it's, are the Cowboys worth, worth now? Like six billion, I think. That's insane. Yeah, eight billion dollars. Eight, okay. eight billion dollars. Yeah, my bad. Google. Well, you, you mean no, well, not to you. But yeah, yeah. Google. dot com has it at eight, but it could be like another valuation has them at six. But just you know, split the difference. Seven billion after he bought it for one hundred and forty million. When did, when did he buy it? In eighty nine. Listen, like uh, Dan Snyder in nineteen ninety nine. Yes. 
bought the then Redskins for eight hundred million. He's selling them for six billion, and he's in trouble. Twenty four years, and everybody thought <laughs> and that, he doesn't like, have a stadium. It's absurd. And, and to put that in perspective with what we're doing and comparing it with the other leagues, Les Alexander made the home run deal when he bought the Rockets with with help for for fifty some million dollars, and he sold it for two point two billion, which is still almost four billion short of the of the Washington sale or what the Cowboys eval is. So the NFL is the king worldwide. It is the, 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 the what do you call it, the national reserve in terms of money. It just, now, it's there all the time. I will say, what, to compare Daniel Snyder versus Michael Jordan. Yeah, I, see, I just pulled up the Jordan numbers. Jordan bought the Hornets for $275 million. He's going to sell them for $3 billion yeah. in 13 years. And that's it's, in Charlotte. I still in think 13 years. What's, what's the ROI on that? It's not as good as the football ones, right? What was the Snyder one? Eight hundred to six billion. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's, not close. it's still not a close. It's just amazing that in Houston, two seventy-five to three billion. It's well, two seventy-five to three billion is probably what six times your money. Yeah, ish, roughly. But it's, it's just crazy. Like, like and, and Charlotte is the great. It's just Charlotte. That's what I'm saying. Houston was two point two. <laughs> Charlotte. Charlotte. We, and we just got done talking about how the league, in terms of its losses, luster, and it's not as popular. And yet, Houston sells for two point two bill. And Charlotte sells for three, Bill. Those franchises aren't doing too poorly either. Yeah. Mitchell says soccer is the king worldwide. That's it why. Is. That's, that's why true. It is. That's why I said it in America, whatever right. I said. And it, I said North America as well because, yeah. yeah, I mean, we know worldwide that Man U's and, you know, soccer teams are going to blow it all out of the water. Maybe I should save this for tomorrow, but I have, have I ever given you all my take how I consider the Premier League and, like, the upper echelon of worldwide soccer the equivalent to the SEC in football? I don't think so. I never, never, never told you that. To us, no. Maybe I'll save it for cash it or trash it tomorrow. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Let's get to the uh, the man crush Monday that uh, Laramie Tunsil and CJ Stroud have for each other, and also Texans fans. I'm with you. I'm excited about this season. I cannot wait for this season. I love the trajectory of this team. I think the arrow is pointing up on the Houston Texans, but let's not confuse vibes for immediate returns when it comes to the. Local Houston Texans NFL team. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. 3281, Cowboys are worth more than any soccer team in the world. Soccer's no longer king. I, I feel like I did see a Forbes where that is the case, where the Cowboys have the best valuation. Uh, people on the Twitch are saying we need Glenn Davis on this week for Gold Cup talk. Did you catch the end of the uh, the quarterfinals of the Gold Cup with the U.S. of A coming back to beat Canada at the very I end? I actually did. That was a great match. U.S. got up 1-0. Canada scored two questionable goals to take the lead. And then the Americans tied it up late and then won in PKs. <laughs> That was a great match. I just like everyone started great tweeting match. about it, and I was like, "Well, we have no sports for the next five days. Might yeah. as well watch this." I was I was into the last ten minutes or so, uh, last Chelsea, fifteen minutes or so. How about Chelsea. Sepp Straka? Woo! That was a run. Too. Way more people watched the world the uh, the Gold I Cup yesterday this. than the the I'm Sepp just... Straka. What did he do? Sixty? Wait, he choked on eighteen. Well, didn't he win the tournament? Yeah, he won the tournament. <laughs> but I'm saying, look, but this was record breaking. He was going. He needed one more birdie down the stretch. And he would have set the record for a 72-hole round of under 60. And then he doubled 18. I was like, oh, my God. 
what just happened? The wheels fell off on the last hole. Yeah, it's well, I mean, he still won, so he at least win. at least he had a good paycheck at the end of the day. Um, Laramie Tunsil loves loves C.J. Stroud. He was on with Pat McAfee. Matt McAfee's going to have trouble going to ESPN. By the way, the dude can't say two sentences without cussing. cussing. Like, yeah, these clean as is. I well, the time marks don't have McAfee. It's only okay. Laramie Tunsil. So make sure you're listening to the time marks because it's not it's not McAfee. Like, and not only cuss words, but like f bombs. Like, it's one thing you know to say some of the minor cuss words. You can probably get away with that on ESPN. He said that that's what the only thing ESPN told him was he's got to pull back the f bombs. That's going to be very difficult for him to do. Because well. Like, he did wrestling and did fine. That's true. He wouldn't drop an F bombs on I'm not Smackdown. worried about him. It's the Jamokes that are with him. Those guys are. Who's going to be with him? Are they all going with him? They're all going. It's the same exact show. AJ Hawk's going? I think AJ is going to be part of it still. Okay. All right. I uh, that guy ever got a helmet. To they could leave Pac Man Jones behind. Stroud? Um, I don't know why I said Stroud. Uh, Hawk. Um, Jake Myers is the opposite. He can't find a helmet that fits. No question. Um, Fact. Did you see. And I don't know. I would be interested to see how much he commented on it. But I guess everybody has bringing up Stephen A. Smith after all the ESPN cuts. And he followed it up with something like, don't be surprised if I'm part of the next round because there's more coming. There's no way ESPN is cutting him loose. But boy, New York fans are going nuts about Van Gundy. Really? They are just attacking ESPN, going, how stupid can you be? Then why don't you get rid of Mark Jackson, too? And kind of what you and I were saying more off uh, off the air than on the air, it looks like Doc Rivers is going to be a guy that they're going to look as a much cheaper replacement to Van Gundy. It's weird. They could just went with a two man crew. If, if no, New they York, absolutely could have. If New York fans are so upset, just put, have them replace uh, Clyde Frazier. Yeah, because Walt's. I think Walt's getting close. Yeah, just have him. Brain but still he, does the Knicks, right? Yeah. But, so well, you, have, sure you can have Brain and Van Gundy doing eighty well, percent of your I games. Said, look, I said, he wants to coach. Yeah. I, I sent the message along. To the people that need it. But I also said here, if the Rockets wanted to make their broadcast a lot more interesting and probably get them on the cheap, even if it's for a, just a short term, mm-hmm. get Jeff Van Gundy in the booth doing Rockets games and your TV ratings will go up. You think, though? Like, is Van Gundy... No question. Is Van Gundy really... I love Van Gundy. You love Van Gundy. I think a lot I love of him as a broadcaster. Like I worked with him and don't love him as a coach. Okay, as a broadcaster. Yeah. Is, he, is he the guy you want for that demographic? For our demographic? The NBA demographic. Yes. With this team? You think? In Houston, with this team, because of all... He, he's become like a, an honorary Houstonian, and people really like that, and they love the, the fact that they only see him as the national TV Van Gundy guy, and he's got the, the, the characteristics where people are endeared to him. Yeah. I think that with a young team, and with him never going to bash a coach, never gonna, he, but he's going to talk honestly about the players, I think he'd be perfect for this market. Okay. I'm, I'm, I would love him. Maybe I'm just misreading it because I, I would love for Van Gundy. Uh, not, not calling for anybody's jobs, but I, I would love Jeff Van Gundy. Anyways, Laramie Tunsil was on Pat McAfee the other day and talked about C.J. Stroud and basically called him a dog. Well, he's a, he, he came in the building with these, lead, these unbelievable leadership skills, and he's, he's killing it, man. Like, how I describe C.J. is a dog. He's a straight dog. He comes in there ready to work. He handles the huddle perfectly. And he go out there and ball, man. You know, you got to appreciate that, especially in a young quarterback like CJ. Stroud's got that dog in him. Oh, we were talking about this a little bit last week. Like, this time of the year, like, good news, I I can't put a whole lot of stock in it. Like, it's cool that he showed up at minicamp and he's a leader, right? And that he's handling the huddle well at minicamp. But it's not really tangible. Like, I don't know if that's going to have any influence on what CJ Stroud does in his rookie year and what he doesn't have or what does in his career. 
But it's I rather hear good news than any sort of bad news. Like the bad news I think is tangible. The bad news I think is real. And I don't even really take the CJ the Laramie Tunsil quote on CJ Stroud like with a whole lot of value. But if I'm getting news on a quarterback or any player on my football team, give me the good news versus any sort of bad news yeah. that is coming out. Look, nothing that's going to be talked about, decided, or quotes that we're going to be hear- hearing from players is going to make a difference when we start training camp and we start games and we start seeing what they can do on the field. But it's a lot better than saying C.J. Stroud really seems to be struggling to get the playbook and he's really struggling to understand you know, the scheduling and, and the things that we need to do on a daily basis. So it's nice to hear these things. And it's good to hear that the players are that he's going to be playing with already are starting to believe in him. But it's all kind of fluff until we get to the meat and potatoes of what, what really matters. The um, degenerate gambler said Tunsil called Mills a dog, too. I don't remember that, but if that's true, then, well, then, then Larry Tunsil calling dudes dogs or, you know, he just calls everybody a dog. You might as well just call him a man. Um, He's evidently got some nationwide clout, though. Who's Michael? Who, Tunsil or? Stroud? No, CJ. Who had the, the parties recently? Yeah, the recently? fanatics guy. Yeah, I Michael. I don't know his name. I don't, I don't remember his name. He said two, the white party yeah. and whatever, and there were pictures all over of yeah. him with. It's in the Hamptons. Yeah. It looked awesome. It really What did. do I need to do to get invited to that party? Because I would love to go to that party. Uh, not enough. I don't know if there's enough things in the world you could buy do. fanatics. Maybe buy. Yeah, well, yeah. it's gonna be difficult to do that. One more from Laramie Tunsil. Um, talking about the buzz within this organization and what D'Amico has done for that buzz. It's a whole new vibe, man. D'Amico came in with that energy that he brought from San Fran and and just changed the whole vibe around the building. And that's something that we needed, especially since these last past three years, man. We've been in the rut, so D'Amico coming to build in. He brought some new coaches in. We got some new players, man. It's just a whole new vibe that's in that building. It feels great to be there. I agree with everything that he said. I'm hoping that's the case. I right? agree with it should that. be that case. Yeah, absolutely. Like, D'Amico versus Cully and Lovey Smith. Like, we're way more excited about D'Amico. Night? Day. Exactly. Right. C.J. Stroud st- should be starting week one versus Davis Mills. And don't forget, Tyrod Taylor was your starting quarterback two years ago. C.J. Stroud, the answer to that question. Young players that look like they're going to be here long term. Like, again, the trajectory of this organization, we think the arrow is pointing up. There's a lot to be excited about. You don't have the you know ghost to Bill O'Brien's past. You don't have Jack Easterby uh, floating around anymore. Things are looking good. The vibes, as Laramie Tunsil said, are looking good. One thing that I would caution, though, don't confuse vibe for immediate returns. Like, the vibe's good for, like, a three-, five-year window. Do I think that these vibes that we're all excited about, rightfully so, do I think these vibes lead to immediate returns? Quite frankly, I don't. Like, we need to enjoy the ride. This is another time for another one of those Nick Casario quotes where don't judge us on wins and losses, only you can't because of the fact that the situation has changed. Yes, all those things are true that you just said, but also because of the trade and the fact that it's so important now that the team actually does start winning that and showing more on the field, that they can't do that again. But you're absolutely right. Whether they do it or not, whether they fall short of their goal and don't win enough games or they surprise some people, don't misconstrue that for the fact that as long as they are making progress and you're seeing the roster develop and the talent increase and the coaching staff be right, this is what you need to see from this team so that this trajectory keeps going uphill for a long time. And I think those are the vibes. Like, it's not just like, oh, he's a cool dude. It's, hey, we're not going to be a David Culley disaster. It's not It's not when, hey, what are we doing on this fourth down right now? And you're all, the players are looking to the booth for Nick Casera to tell David Culley what to do. Like, it's not running a defense that hasn't been good since 2010. 
like last year. But, but you know the fan base is watching that that's trade, That's the difference. Like they, no, I know. I think for within the organization, I think they're realistic about things. Like They, they should compete every game, but I don't think it's going to lead to more than seven wins. I think where you start to see like the vibes trying to translate to immediate success is what you're talking about, yep. the fan base. I think the fan base has expectations that, quite frankly, I don't think are fair for the organization. I agree. Like they need to buckle in and enjoy the ride. He asks, are we embracing the suck again? No, the suck no. stops here. But the suck stopping to, right? here doesn't necessarily mean that you're going 9-8. and eight. It means you need to be realistic I with think, what you have and enjoy the ride long term. No question. I think Casario wrote a check that he's hoping that his team can cash because of the trade, because of the fact that he basically bet on himself and his team to say that our pick is not going to be a top two or three pick, and that's why I was willing to give it up. And the fan base kind of grasped onto that because of all the back and forth and social media and everybody watching all of this to say, okay, that means the pedal's down. In Rockets' terms, this is phase two. This is what we need to do. We're going to do it now. So we'll see if they can cash that check. But Nick clearly put a different spin on it with the, the trade on draft night. Yep. 713-780-ESPN. Out to the HRMP listener line. Willie, you're in the high for the Killer Bees. What's up, Willie? Yeah, I had a question about the uh, how many wins you think that was going to get, but you already answered that. And uh, I also like to say that uh, I, I didn't like the uh, trade, and I don't think Nick wanted that trade. You know, I don't think they should have gave up three possible starters for one guy. Appreciate Thanks, it. Willie. Appreciate you listening, man. Appreciate the uh, the call, Willie. Okay. We, I mean, we agree with the trade. I think we've beaten that. You and I are on the same side, and it's not the popular side of the trade. And it's Willie's side. Yeah, it's Willie's side. We're we're going to wait to see how it all plays out. Yeah, let's grade it out in five years. We we all know where you know where we a stand. A lot of the on grades it. are going to come. Through, a lot of the lean towards the grades going to come out at the end of this year. Vegas win total. They have it at six and a half. They started off at five and a half. I think there's still some books that have it at five and a half. I think the majority of books have it at six and a half. I think it's a fair number. Are you going over? Over six and a half? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I I actually played the over five and a half though. I got in on it early. Yeah, I don't like I don't like six and a half. Six and a half. I'm going under no matter what. I I have an over five and a half. I'm hoping that it somehow gets to seven and a half, and I might try to middle that bad boy. I think six and a half is the perfect number. I know if it gets maybe, I'm, if it gets up to seven and a half, I don't think it will. I'm going to middle it. I don't. I think that I think a handful. I think five. I just I think that everybody's kind of speeding up the process a little too fast. And I think that because of the trade, it's the intensity level is there. But I don't think that on the field, in in this first year with a rookie quarterback, it's going to get where everybody expects it to go. Yeah. Not the that schedule, it can't get there the eventually. The schedule is just so soft. Yeah. The schedule is it just is. so it helps. it helps a lot. And right. they were so close on so many games yeah. over the last two years with poor quarterback play and the worst two coaches in the NFL. Yeah, I think yeah, six and a half is the perfect But as number. much as your quarterback's going to eventually hopefully be the guy that you drafted him to be, you know, everything points to the fact that this is going to be a struggle in year one. I agree. Agreed. I just think from day one, I think his first year will be better than anything Davis Mills and the collection of quarterbacks played in the last two years. Let's hope, hope you're so. right. It doesn't mean that so. he's going to be great. It's just going to be better than what it was. I mean, he can throw an out route not, that doesn't hit the popcorn vendor in the second row? <laughs> Most of the time. Yeah. He's so bad. <laughs> Seven, one, three, Remember seven, those eight. days of having to review that film? Woo! I watched every... I watched every Texans game twice. That sucks. Because I watch it, the live broadcast, and then I'll watch the, uh, the All-22. Watching Davis Mills was a chore. Yeah, watching the, the Texans were a chore. The Texans, it was. It, they made your eyes bleed for two years. Mm-hmm. Like, at least they won't this year as bad. There'll be things to watch. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, a lot of people agree with your Van Gundy, by the way. We've had uh, about 50 right. people weigh in on this, and they were all like unanimously saying, yeah, Van Gundy would improve ratings. I did my part. I tried to get the message to the right folks. I love Van Gundy. We need to get him on with us. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Every Monday at 1.30, it's our Mailbag Monday. You can ask the Killer Bees whatever you want. 713-780-3776, Mailbag Monday with the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You've got mail. It's Mailbag Monday with the Killer Bees. Something's in the bag. What's in the bag? Uh, what's in the box? Who's in the box? Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. What is your question for the Killer Bees? Our Mailbag Monday. You can ask us whatever you want. 713-780-3776. Out to the HRP listener line. Pena, what's your question for the Killer Bees? Hey, good afternoon, guys. Uh, so we've all seen that commercial, with the, that basketball commercial. was like, Coach, I touched the ball. I went out of bounds or whatever. So my question for you is, would sports in general, all, every sport, be better with 100% honesty? Uh, thank you. Have a great week. Okay. I, I didn't expect the question after the setup. What, Bill, what Belichick sport, would, Bill Belichick would never go Would sports be better with 100%, 100% honesty? honesty like, would you have officials, though? Well, the officials still have to call the actual game, and then if there was a like a ball out of bounds or a controversial fall, call, yeah. you would expect that the guy go, yeah, I didn't touch him. So does it come? Call that th- now, does this apply that to ain't the... Happening. They're does permanently this, on truth serum? Yeah, does this apply happen. to it's the not umpires? Happen, obviously, but... Does it apply to the umpires I th- and I don't the refs? Think, I think the umpires and... No. You don't, you don't no. think that they're 100% no. making the call that the thing is accurate? No. They, they are, but they don't... If they, like, if they look at it wrong... Like, if they see a strike and then they see the replay and they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's way outside. And, like, they correct it. They it's try like, to. It's not they like they can to. correct it, though. But this goes back to the whole, you know, in my experiences with the NBA, this goes back to the final five seconds of an NBA game. They know that there are fouls that are committed in the final five seconds. They just don't blow the whistle in the final five seconds unless it's so obvious they have to. And they let the game decide itself with the players. They're not going to call that. No, and the answer is no, because sports are better with cheating. So, but, but, <laughs> the, steroid, <laughs> the steroid era was awesome. The 17 Astros were great. I was going to say, shocker that people are going to point a finger. Like, you go, of course, in Houston in 17. Sammy Sosa is the reason why I'm a baseball fan. Baseball and your better. Cubs are, like, completely stonewalling him. Ba- ba- yeah, but baseball was better with steroids. So the Cubs milked him for all he was worth for the team and then shut the door on it. Yep. It's brutal. And the sports are better at I think cheating. the one sport that I think you could try to do this or that would have the better chance of succeeding doing this, I think, is basketball. Because baseball, like, they're going to argue over, like, a pitch on the outside corner. A pitcher's going to think it's a strike. Hitter's not going to think it's a strike. Football, like, holdings and things like that, pass interferences, things like that are so, like, close. I think basketball is the best chance. And, like, there's also a little bit of, I guess, evidence to this. Like, when you play pickup games, you call your own. Like, who's it out on? There's an element of truth to that. So I think basketball would have the best chance. Okay. I, I just uh, I think that there's money on the line. And money is the livelihood of, of all that are in professional sports. They're not going to be – they're not going to ever I be. know that. But if it would it be better if you had it? I think Joe's point is probably true. I think it wouldn't be. Because, like, you have, you have the – you would – the arguments wouldn't be there. Like arguments are fun. Yeah, like what's the like, technicals are fun. Ejections are fun. 
Some plus and like cheap shots are fun for some guys. They like to talk mess. They like to take cheap shots. They like to. Are you describing Dylan contra- Brooks? I kind of am. <laughs> I kind of am. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. What is your question for the Killer Bee? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Ocho, it's not really a question. Oh yeah, it is. Is it time to remove me from Bad Tech Boulevard for saying Hunter Brown gives me Josh James vibes? No, no. You stay there until we tell you to. He still Hunter Brown still has an unbelievable upside. Like his his upside is still very very good. Extreme upside for but, Hunter Brown. But similarly, but in different ways to what we said about Blanco using his changeup more and understanding the science of pitching, not just throwing with like great results like you know high velocity fastball, a lot of movement on your secondary pitches. You got to know how and when to throw those pitches. And I think as much as Blanco has a lot more to learn, I still think Hunter Brown has some things to learn, too, about not relying too much on his fastball and mixing up pitches and, and developing you know, how to deal with certain situations up in account. Oh, two pitches that are that are hittable, that are able to be hit hard, are a problem. Yeah, he's got work to do. Like, there was the article about his last start, like his pitch count getting up. Because I think there is something to him kind of getting worn out in the fourth inning because that pitch, like he's throwing a lot of pitches in the first three, four innings. I think it does kind of gas him out a little bit. Uh, I would like him to start getting some early count outs. A little bit like Fromber. Like, Fromber gets a lot of outs early in the count. I would like Hunter Brown to get some early in the count outs too. Look, Fromber's maturation of a pitcher, his development as a pitcher, he used to be kind of like Hunter Brown. Like, he would throw tons of pitches. He would be a heavy strikeout guy. And then all of a sudden, he's turned into this version of Framber Valdez because he would get early, weak contact in at-bats. I think Hunter Brown needs to take a, a page out of the Framber Valdez book. I think people just need to, like, relax. Yeah, he's a rookie. He People think- see that his, rota- that his pitch looks like Justin Verlander's. And, like, look, you can see the way John McClain tweets about Hunter Brown. Mm-hmm. Like, he's off his rocker. With expectations, He's off his rocker to just Every, describe like, baseball. But like yeah. the expectations yeah. Yeah. for Hunter Brown this year have been so unfair. Like it's a joke, to be honest. Look, people got. You're absolutely right, though, Joe. People got too enamored with the whole, you know, mirror image of Justin yes. Verlander. But at the same time, there's just too much there to, to not be able to say this dude's going to be an above average major league pitcher yes, for but a long they time. Expected him to be Justin Verlander today. Correct. That's what happens whenever you so allow unfair. leatherheads to have baseball opinions. They 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 act like baseball's football. Like it's like, not. Like it's, is anyone expecting CJ Stroud? Like let's say he's at best Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Is anyone expecting him to be that week one through eighteen this year? Right. No. Right. But they expect Hunter Brown. To be Justin Verlander, but what how, a joke! How how? But I, like making this leave even bigger conversation, like bigger than Hunter Brown, maybe like holistic leatherheads talking about baseball. Like how many people have crazy overreactions over one of one sixty two? I mean, that's what we all live on. It's but it's wild. Like it's crazy yeah. the overreactions you get on one out of one sixty two. You know what's different? We don't do that with, with Blanco and with Belak because we've seen enough to know yeah. for every good there's going to be a return back. I think it's somewhere. expectations, though, right? Like, it's, expectations it's of Blanco in. and Belak are very, very low. Sure, expectations sure. of Hunter Brown are like, look, we put it on him. I think Hunter Brown's going to be a Cy Young at some point in his career. But I also understand he's a rookie and he's going to have rookie issues. His stuff and his promise is still very, very good. Uh, perennial all-star, who is the Astros' number two starter right now? To kind of piggyback off of that one. To me right now, it's Hunter Brown. J.P. France. To me, it's Hunter Brown. Second best ERA on the staff. I I think it's still, I still believe in Javier. 
I think Javier is going to figure it out. I don't know I think why, this but is I the think best thing that could have happened to Javier is to kind of shut it down pre-All-Star, use the All-Star break, and then just get completely batteries recharged Javier in the second half. I, I, I believe that's coming. B. Hannon, if you're a guest, do you take your hat off at the dinner table? Uh, yes. Every single time. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Very, it's rude if I you typically don't. just, if I'm going somewhere and I'm going to be a guest, I just don't wear the hat. Exactly. That I'm I'm there the with you too. Home. And there's also a difference between if you're at a casual restaurant and you're meeting people at like TGI Fridays or Applebee's, that's a whole lot different. If you go into someone else's house, yeah, you're not wearing a hat at the dinner table. Yeah. Sometimes you like you have to just go there with a hat. Like there's times I'll go to the in laws like after a show where I'm yeah. wearing a hat, like kind of like spontaneously. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm just gonna have to take it off and have bad hair at the table. Yeah, so even I have bad hair day. I'm just kidding. I don't because I have such little of it, so I'm okay. What were you saying? Uh, 975hair.com, Joe. I know. Okay, I'm just shut up. We'll get there. Okay. 713-780-ESPN. What, are, what is your question for the Killer Bees? Um, 8664, when are we going to get a third hour of Joe and Sean on Saturday? First of all, it's Andrew. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> It's not Sean. It's Andrew. <laughs> so, so the, the question or the answer to this question will be: It's not going to happen. Yeah. The answer to the question is really: You get your bleep in order and get the host right. First we'll of tell all. you when we can start working on <laughs> just to be getting honest. our lineup on the weekends in order and getting Joe. With- We're going to be kind of going away for the most part. You're going away? Well, we'll get we'll get knocked out by Anim <laughs> football for most of the season. Fighting Texas Aggies. Yeah. Although we'll have a not, show for the first couple not, weeks. Not but Dave South anymore. It's not Dave South. That was Andrew Monica. Dave South and the Fighting Texas Aggies. Got a man. Uh, one four two zero. Tupac, uh, Tupac or Biggie? Tupac. Biggie. I'm a Biggie guy. I love Biggie. I'm a Biggie guy. I'm a Tupac guy. I like them both, but if I have to choose, I'm going Biggie. Yeah, I'm a Biggie guy. This is like, I've if watched way know, too much Biggie, you know. Tupac documentaries and movies and all of, I've watched way too much of it. I have to that I one with all the, I've watched way it fascinates the me. The TV show with Josh Dumel. I haven't seen that one. Was really <laughs> good. No, the docs are great. Yeah. Some of the the in-depths about how they once were like friends and then it all how it all went south and then the whole mystery about the shooting in Vegas and like and of course then the the, the, the everybody with the the theories of is he dead or is he not and yeah. all that stuff's crazy. Is he dead or is he not? Not, Mailbag Monday. He's dead. Well, but the other one that's crazy, he's too, not. is it took how many years for them to find a gang member in L.A. that they traced to being the actual shooter? He, he's, he's in Cuba. He Why? Why would he have gone to Cuba? What is he escaping? Suge Knight. He's escaping Suge Knight. There's Suge, Suge still in prison? Suge killed him. There's, did he? Oh, you say he didn't. You say he's alive. He was in the vehicle. Suge is rewind. The last two things that Joe George just said. He said Tupac is alive. Then he said Suge killed him. Fact. Suge attempted to kill him. There you go. No, you, you no. Now you just made freaking chump of the week. You just made chump of the no, week. Granado is only going to be a one and done. Suge attempt. Oh, Granado won last week. Granado won last week. Wow, I didn't think he Paul would ever get it. Lance had to break alive. it to him. He killed him. Suge, no, Suge attempted to kill him. He's alive. There's. T- Pac, if he was alive, would have come out with stuff. There's too much money to be made if he was still alive. Suge Knight is still alive. Right, but he could he could make Wasn't music Suge in Cuba. In the vehicle? Well, he ordered the hit. And it avoided him and it didn't hit his body? He got shot. Wasn't he in the passenger side? He got shot. I don't know that he did. Yeah, he got hit. I don't think that he did. I'm sure pretty... got got? I think he got hit. In the I head. would check that. Wasn't he involved in like the... Um... He's been involved that, that, in a lot. That happened on a Tyson fight, right? Yes, Tyson yes, yes, in yeah. Vegas. Because yeah. there was a, there was a fight before. Because the they had, and again, one of the Vegas. docs that I watched, 
they had the footage of them leaving the fight. Right. And that's where the contact came with whatever this gang member from L.A. and, and and Pac's team security areas and his his people in around him kind of had an altercation with the guy and they think that's what led up to it who who else's uh Shug got oh uh, Shug's e- been in a lot easy easy e's son says that Shug injected his dad with hiv what what a weird way to kill somebody yeah like that's that's how he said what a what a wild conspiracy yeah. how does a grown man inject another grown man that not when one going, what are you doing and what are you putting well, in? It would have been a needle. I mean, for drugs, But that's, that's where it's like it's actually a little logical considering like what Easy was going through at the time. Man, it's a conversation I'm not ready to have. All right. Suge Knight killed a lot of people. We're with trying that, to. With that, that does it for Mailbag Monday hey, you know how Albert on a Monday. comes after radio guys? Be careful if Suge's guys come after you, Joe. That's a good point. So he's, he's just saying that's why I said Suge's been in a lot. He's still, it. he's still locked up. Yeah. I think he is. What did yes. he get locked up for this time around? I can't. But if like we expect him to I get out, recall. it wouldn't be like a murder. Maybe it's how they got Capone. Maybe he was evading taxes. Uh, Suge Knight was sentenced to 28 years in jail for a fatal hit and run in 2015. How did he only get 28 years? Because he probably wasn't. They, it was volunteer he was, manslaughter. He was either was he the accomplice or was he the trigger man? They probably what they're probably he probably wasn't. There wasn't like a, a definitive. There probably wasn't intent to kill, or there wasn't definitive evidence that he either pulled the trigger. No, or, no. Well, he'd been out no, on that. No hit and run. Yeah. So oh, I, I, oh he ran. He ran too? someone over. Well, yeah. He, Why did he run? People always run. Suge's not very smart. Oh, oh right. I'll be doing the show by He's myself in a couple He's of weeks. He's going to die in prison. He knows people. Jer- Jeremy and I are going to be in Cuba with Tupac. To be honest, if that's the way I go out, that's a pretty cool way to go out. Suge, right. I got got by Suge. <laughs> that's a cool way to die. Uh, Rocket Summer League. It, it has me doubling down that this team should be fighting for a play-in spot or, or competing in the NBA Cup, the illustrious NBA Cup. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, Houston, you're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. I hadn't heard this. Have y'all heard this? One nine three zero. I mean, never, never say actually two people sent this. Uh, never read rumors over the air on a radio station. Um, Did we? This No, I'm about to. Oh. Suga, apparently, according to one nine three zero, he hung vanilla ice over a balcony. Oh, that's true. You know this. That's true. <laughs> I mean, it, it, again, I don't. I, I don't know if it's one hundred percent. I've seen multiple accounts, and I believe they interviewed uh, Vanilla Ice himself about it. But I believe that that was a big deal. That yeah, there was like some something where either someone owed him something or something like that. But he definitely. I've seen multiple he, accounts. This says that he threatened Vanilla Ice to sign over his catalog to Death Row. I don't know if that what it was completely, but I do. I've heard multiple times the story of him hanging him over the ba- railing of the balcony. Two guys were holding on to him. Dang. Which, I mean, Vanilla Ice was a thief. Stole music from Queen. For the biggest hit of his career, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ice Ice Baby under was under pressure. Yeah. Uh, Lamont says that uh, Suge killed his friend by running over him at the straight out of Compton taping. He was trying to muscle the cast. A crip tried to get at him. He mashed the gas and ran over his friends. Was this the hit and run? Yeah, I think that is. How is that not motive to kill? How is that not murder? How is that involuntary manslaughter? He must have some good lawyer. Like, how is that not murder? Great question. How did he get off with involuntary manslaughter? 
That is wild to me. When you're on death row, you can avoid murderers, Rob. I don't know. There's just so many reports on. Oh, I told you, he's been in a lot of stuff, man. Googling I'm just, Suge Knight. Like, I think we got to move lifetime. on here. I think it's probably <laughs> smart at this point. Man, I, I, I'm blown away that he got off on an involuntary. It should have been murder, and he got an involuntary manslaughter charge. That blows my mind. He's got some lawyers. Uh, Rockets Summer League from Suge to the Rockets. I'm doubling down, Blankers. I've seen enough with this Rockets Summer League team. Don't overreact about Summer League. Don't overreact about Summer League. Don't overreact about Summer League. I love what I saw with Amin Thompson. I love what I've seen from Jabari. He seems like after the first two quarters of the first Summer League game, he scored 50 in a four-quarter span, hit the game winner. And then, look, I know it's Summer League. Don't go crazy about Summer League. Yesterday, he had Wiseman and Duran defending him for most of that game, and he still went off. I like, and I've liked what I've seen with Tari Eason. I am bullish on the Houston Rockets' young core. You can be bullish on them. This is kind of like going back to the Texans' conversation of a few segments ago. I just, I'm not going to put the cart before the the horse. I, I, I believe that they're making progress. I believe that this young core with this coach, with some of the ways that he is going to change the systems on both offense and defense, and with Quite honestly, the talent that they've added, they're going to be better. But how much better and how quickly? Look, I'll agree with you on the fact, because I've always been the first to say it's summer league. It's guys that are either has-beens, wannabes, or are trying to hang on to find a, an end spot on someone's roster. But the fact that you do have some younger players that have played in the league playing and the fact that Jabari didn't do it all against those type guys and got to play against some NBA talent, albeit an underachieving Wiseman who's trying to resurrect his career, uh, it's good to see that they're getting reps and they're working on their craft. That's the biggest thing. They're still working on their craft because a lot of these guys in the NBA, when they get the money, they quit working. And so I like the fact that they're working too, but I'll believe it when I start seeing it as it develops through camp and, and training camp and then getting to the regular season because the grown men that get paid the big money that are going to come at you every single night are different. And so I just, I'm going to stand firm. I'm not going to make any of those predictions just yet but what i am going to say is what i've always said about udoka they got the right guy that are it's bringing the right attitude and the right system for a team and franchise that desperately needs it dre says in all capital letters who they playing ymca ball is a step below i just told you like jabari's going up against two lottery picks yesterday he's wiseman, going up against the other Wise- durin oh durin jalen durin they were yep. jalen durin and wiseman because I DVR'd that game yesterday. I was watching the draft, and I was watching the second half of the uh, the Gold Cup. So I watched that game this morning, mm-hmm. and I, so I already knew that Jabari had a big game. So like I, I, I'm a cynic. Everybody knows that. I'm very cynical. I went into that game. I was like, well, let's see who's defending Jabari. Like, let, let's see who he's getting it on. Let's right. see who he's going off against. He's going off against Wiseman and Duran, like two lottery and they were, picks. They in were the talking NBA. mess, and he talked yeah. about it. And he said, I hope it rolls over to the regular season. And and look, that, those are the kind of things that I'll give a little bit more cred to what Jabari has been able to do. And Jabari in the first two games has been really, really good. Yeah. But it's not as much about Jabari as it is the total development of all of these players and how they come together. And that's why I'm putting more stock in the fact that with a guy like Udoka in charge, yeah. it's going to make more of a difference than anything that any of your top, last top three draft picks do. It's more of like an individual take. Watching two games of Jabari, watching one game of a man before he slightly sprained his ankle. Because you're right, now you have to make it like marry in the team concept, and you're adding some huge pieces. You're adding a Max guy in Van Vliet. You're, you're adding... 
an overpaid guy. And which turned Dylan out to Brooks. be what ninety six, possibly of <laughs> possibility of ninety plus, <laughs> ninety plus instead of eighty at four years. Which and that other team was big. Never mind. <laughs> I saw that over the news. I was like, oh, Blankers is going to get it. Oh, I did. I was <laughs> tweeting about it. I was like, Are you t- tell me what team was competing with the Rockets to throw that much money yeah. in that many years at him. The other yeah, thing with wild. Jabari is it's almost like the what we talked about with C.J. Stroud, where it's like if, as long as it's not bad news, it's good news. Because like if you watch Jay Nivey bust, he can't play in summer he league. He cannot handle the basketball. Like, he is not a point it's guard. Awful. He's like, not. Like that's like this that's is KPJ ish. He is on, yeah, lobby but like KPJ ish on steroids because of where he was drafted, how much they put in him. Yeah, you got to make him a two and leave him alone. Or you're going to be in trouble because he's not a one. And he's not a great shooter. And that's, no. And that's where it's like, it's not, Jabari's not a superstar after Summer League. No. But that but what we've seen is everything you want, a second-year guy dominating, and then you got Jay Nivey, who sucks, and it's James like, Wiseman, who's still, how's that dude still in Summer League? Don't you graduate at some point yeah. from Summer League because basketball? Because he's, he's so grossly underachieved that he lost so much value. And luster from NBA types. He knows he has to resurrect, resurrect his career. He knows as much as this has put my tail between my legs, I have to prove I can still play in this yeah. league. But Jabari he, he is hasn't awesome. But like the thing that also impressed me with Jabari is he's doing a lot of things that we wanted him to do last year. Yep. So again, individual take. You got to put it in the team concept. You're 100 percent right. But Jabari's breaking down dudes off the dribble. How much do we see that but, last year? But you year? and I said this, and this adds credibility to what we said pre-draft. He's the biggest upside, best talent in that draft class he's he wasn't ready his first year but that's okay because he was so young but the fact that he's making progress and he's learning and he's developing and this is what he was missing with steven silas ironically when he was doing the interview and talking about how we're gonna now you know he hates losing and we're gonna start winning. and silas is right behind him and i don't think he knew it but it was like yeah the guy behind you is the reason why this should have been seen year one and wasn't. Yeah. I mean, he's putting things on display that has me bullish about his potential. I mean, the shot is looking good. He's doing things on defense. He's blocking shots. He's protecting the rim. He's beating guys off the dribble. Lottery picks off the dribble. Wiseman Duran. Really impressed by that. And then, look, I don't think Amin Thompson's going to help a lot his rookie year. I think he's going to be a 10, 12, 15-minute-a-game player. And I think you're right. I think that the uh, the holiday kid that they side is going to be their backup point guard day one. And then they're going to force Amin Thompson to beat him out for the backup point guard job. That Amin Thompson is high as two. Boy, no he's doubt. got a high basketball his court AQ. Vision, and his passing, passing. Oh, I'm so I, I love watching him play. And body control too, because he knows when to get in the air, and when he gets in the air, he knows what to do with it. He can finish around the rim. He's long. Look, I think the up the upside on this kid for the long term is through the roof. I just think that again, talking about what you said, but in, from a different perspective, again, going to the league in your first year as a nineteen year old kid mm-hmm. and going up against grown men that are physically developed that are going to body the crap out of you and go at you every time you touch the ball, it's going to be a little overwhelming at times. But that's okay because yep. it's an indoctrination to how you get better. I think I'm bullish. I, I'm more bullish off of Men Thompson after watching that one game because it kind of confirmed like things that I thought. Like I thought he was high as Tui for silly reasons. He looks like he has very high basketball IQ. His passing has a chance to be elite. Yep. Now he's got a lot of flaws in his game, but mostly shooting. Like I think he can already be a pretty solid defender. Like he's got to learn learning curve. And we knew going in, he had to develop a yeah, shot more. But he like. He's a good free throw shooter, which well, is encouraging say, to me. And he, he knocked down a three. Here's the biggest thing that was encouraging to me. It wasn't like when Ball came into the league, Lonzo Ball, and the elbow was flying, and the shoulders were out of, sh- out of you know, aren't, weren't square, and you're like, oh, he's got to recreate right. his whole shot. His mechanics don't look bad. 
It's just developing the technique. I thought he was going to be breaking free throws. And like He looked calm, looked like a decent shooter at the free throw line. 713-780-3776. Are you bullish as me with the Rockets Summer League, or do you need to see a little bit more, like Blinkers says? Uh, also, when we return, four moves the Astros need to make after the break. Do you have a move that the Astros need to make after the break? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.